It's been a blessing. We've, we've been looking at, uh, Neil and Thomas opened up for us, uh, really the Lord's heart in, for the orphan. We've been looking at that. Have you guys been encouraged by that? That's been very encouraging. It's a great blessing um, to me. And, but we're just going to continue on uh, with this, this theme of God's heart for the orphan. We're going to look at an, op- an opportunity for the, or- for the orphan. I have no slides and I have no handouts. So I am, I've, in, the, in America we say I've, I've dropped the ball. So I've definitely dropped the ball on that. I'm very sorry. Uh, you can pretend that you have a handout, but you don't really have one. So sorry. That's, that's, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, we're going we're gonna to really look at and kind of close up this, this look at God's heart for the orphan with an opportunity for the orphan, and we're going to be in number, no, numbers, numbers chapter 35. So if you would all turn to Numbers 35, and I'll pray while you guys are turning there. We're going to start, uh, 35 verse 9 is where we're going to start. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to have your word. You've given us your word in our language. We get to study it. God, we get to seek to live our lives by it, and we know that it's truth. And so, God, this morning we pray that your word would sink deep into our hearts. Pray that you would teach each one of us. Show us, Lord, what you have for us. God, teach us. You know right where we're at. You know right what we've been going through. You know what we've gone through this morning, last night. Lord, you know who knows you here this morning. You know who's struggling, who's suffering. God, you're close. You're near. So God, we ask that you would just move in this place as we study your word. And that we would leave change. We would leave change because your word is truth. Your word is power. And pray, God, that you would bless us this morning. And just lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. You guys there? Yep. Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers. So... Numbers 35, but first, before we do that, I want to go all the way back, because we're going to be looking at a time when the Lord really reveals His heart for the orphan. He, he shows His heart for the outcast, those who, who are cut off from Him. And this is in the garden. So Genesis chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but you can if you want. I'll read it. This is uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Speaking of Adam and Eve, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. So here's Adam and Eve. We know this, we know this story. Adam and Eve, they're created to walk with God in the garden. That's why they were created. That's their purpose, to walk with God. God intricately designs them, fashions them, forms them in such a way to know God and to walk with God, to hear God. And so God's coming to them, and I love the specifics uh, of, of this verse, in the cool of the day. God comes to them at the most pleasant time. This is the most pleasant time to walk in the cool of the day. And just envision that in the Garden of Eden, if we could. 
how vast, how beautiful, how amazing this garden is. And it's the cool of the day. And here's God, here's the Creator, just going for a stroll, just walking, walking along. He's not running at the hottest part of the day. He's walking in the coolest part of the day. So instead of living how they were created, Adam and Eve, instead of living for what they were created for, what are they doing? They're hiding. They're hiding behind a bush, a tree. So they're using the parts that God designed, created, formed, fit perfectly. They're using their parts to hide instead of walk. Walking alongside the Creator. Instead of that, they're hiding. So they, they cut themselves off from God. They're afraid. They're scared of God. They're scared of His presence. They're scared of Him. They're, they're hiding. So God asks this question, and it's interesting. He asks this question, and He says, Where are you? Do we think that He was really confused about where they were? <laughs> where, was this a time of hide-and-seek? Was God just like, I have... My mind is blown. I have no idea where they are. No, that's not the case. In a sense, I guess we can rephrase it or reword it. Look where you are. Look where you are. You're my creation. I love you. I want to walk with you. This is why I put you together. This is why I created you for my glory. That we can spend time together. And you're hiding behind a plant. So God's revealing their heart to them. Look what state you're in. Look how you feel. Look what's going on in your life right now. Why are you acting this way? Just think about this for a second. This, this question, it's kind of a, a deep question that comes with a lot of weight. Where are you? Think about it. Where are you right now? They're hiding. But they're, they're acting like God is a bull ready to do damage. Where are you? Where are they? Get over here. He's walking in the cool of the day. He's walking saying, where are you? Who I created, who I love, who I want to spend time with. So in a sense, God goes on a mission. He goes on a mission to find them. He knows where they're at. But he goes on a mission. And this is really God's heart open to us. His heart for the orphan. His heart for the outcast. His heart for those who are hiding. For whatever reason. We'll kind of look at this this morning. For whatever reason. Whatever maybe sin. I meant to do it. I didn't mean to do it. Maybe how our family's treating us. How society. How the church is treating us. Whatever the case. There's hiding going on. And God knows right where we are. He created us. He knows us. He hears us. He understands. And He's going on a mission. So Numbers 35, verse 9. I'll read two verses and we'll give a little uh, backdrop to this. Verse 9, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person without intent 
may flee there. Okay, so I'm going to use my son as an illustration. So where's Judah? Judah, where are you? There you are. Come on up. So this is, I just wanted to give a, a little picture of what's going on here. So Judah and I, we don't play much cricket, but we're going to. We play baseball. You guys know what baseball is? Kind of, kind of the same, but yeah. But today, this morning, we're going to play cricket. So Judah and I are hanging out, because this is what we like to do. We like to hang out. And I don't know how to even throw the ball in cricket. So I have the ball in my hand. Is this how you throw it? Like that? Yep. Okay. Do you guys know how to play cricket? No one's really... Okay. <laughs> so I have the ball, and I, I pitch it to Judah. He hits it, and it sh- hits me right in the head. Okay? I fall down. This is actually a really sad story. This is horrible. This is not a good analogy. This is very sad. I fall down dead. Okay? Now Judah is like, oh no. This is not good. Because... And we're going to look at this more in detail. But someone in my family, he's part of my family, but let's just pretend we're just friends. Someone in my family has the, has the right to avenge my blood. So now Judah is thinking, okay, I accidentally killed my friend playing cricket. So someone is now coming after me. So Judah is going to very slowly run back to his seat because he's running because he's scared. So... The issue here is that before these cities of refuge were set up, you didn't really have a choice. There's nothing that you could do. There's nothing that you could do to get away from this avenger except run. So, the Israelites have been walking around for about 39 and a half years. So they're just moments away from stepping into the land that God was giving them. They're just moments away from crossing into the promised land. The Lord's continuing to set up rules and regulations for how their life is going to look in this new land. This is an amazing thing to be set up. This is an amazing thing. God is providing an opportunity for life as they cross into the new land. He's he's providing a way out, a way of escape, a way of refuge, rescue, protection, He's setting these things up for the people in these, in these final moments. In the Middle Eastern culture, this is, this is the way things worked back then. There was someone in the family, I don't know who, how they chose them, but there was someone in the family to be the Avenger. Not today's Avenger, like Marvel, but an Avenger of blood. So I, did they draw straws? I'm not sure. Someone in the family was set up to be the avenger. That person was the one who would avenge the blood that was spilt or shed um, of, of a family member. And so they would go out and they would, they would track that person down. So if, if someone murders somebody, then an avenger from that family goes and tracks them down. But here's the weakness of this. Okay? What if it is an accident? What if Judah and I are out playing and I get nailed by a cricket ball and I die? It doesn't matter. That doesn't excuse the fact that Judah spilt my blood. And so the Avenger is going to be after me. Doesn't matter whether it's premeditated or it's an accident. It doesn't matter. The Avenger is, is after me. I'm just thinking about this. Like, 
Imagine this predicament that you're in. This is horrible. You're just playing cricket with a friend. You're just hanging out. And now your complete your entire life has changed. Everything has changed now. The Avenger is, is after you. You can use whatever excuse you want. You can say, We were just having fun. We were just you know out there just playing around. It wasn't my fault. It's the do we call it a bat? Is that what we call it? Yeah. It's the bat's fault. It's that thing's fault. It's the, the people or this or that. It's, it's their fault. It, it didn't matter. The issue had been that blood was spilt. Didn't matter how, how it happened. So this person is now for, forever cut off from society. That's a true outcast. Imagine just looking around. Uh, who is the first of all? Who's the Avenger? You wouldn't know because you're playing with your, you know, you're playing with your mate. All of a sudden he dies, and then you're thinking, okay, who, what's the Avenger even look like? The Avenger of the family, and so you're just like, is, is, is it you? Is it you? You're at like a dinner party. <gasps> uh, is it that person? You would, that would just drive me crazy. That would drive me crazy always. So what do you do? You go into hiding. You run, you go, you isolate yourself, and you hide. You cut yourself off from society because you don't know where the Avenger is. You have no place to call home. And so the Lord, this is an amazing thing about our God. He recognizes the problem. He recognizes the, the injustice. And He steps down into our time. He steps down Sovereignly, God knows everything that's happening before and later. He knows what's going on. He comes down, he meets man, and he says, we're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with this. So, verse 12. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, but the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. So again, the Avenger was not, not going to stop. And it was an honor for that Avenger to not stop. It was an honor. It was, it was part of their culture. It's what they, they would do. So to have a city of refuge would have been freedom. To not have a city of refuge would have been awful. That would have been the worst place to be in. Because again, you're cut off. You're abandoned. And no one understands the situation. You guys feel like that sometimes? Have you ever gone through something, a situation, you're just like, no one understands. You try to explain it, it's like, eh, I'm, you know, I'm speaking to a wall. Just, no one understands. This situation here, no one would understand. Judah and I were just playing cricket by ourselves. No one could prove it. No one could, could prove that Judah didn't you know, purposely hit the ball into my head. No one would understand his situation. Peter writes in um, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Our adversary, the devil, he's doing this now. He's actively prowling around trying to devour people. Trying to take, take people out. This is today's avenger. And we're, I'm trying to, I keep saying Avenger, we're all thinking Marvel, I know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, flip it, because the Avenger here is the one who's running after the, the family member to take, to take him out. 
running after the person that killed their, their relative. But today's, today's adversary, the devil, is not stopping. He's not stopping. And what does this bring? This brings a burden. You guys, the masses are burdened. People are burdened with guilt. People are burdened and they're hiding. I meet people all the time in Yarmouth. We start, we start talking and they have, you know, they have every excuse under the sun um, you know, of, of whatever, whether they meant to do it or didn't mean to do it. And they're so burdened with guilt. And it's interesting because I completely relate to them because I've done things like they've done. I've done things just like, like they've done. But my guilt that I've been burdened with, I had an opportunity to hand that over. And so we're really in the same spot, myself and this person that I would be talking to. And they're so burdened. They're so burdened by, by this guilt. They're, they're on the run. They're on the run and there's, there is nowhere to hide. And what's, what's the adversary doing? He's, he's putting things in their mind. He's planning thoughts. He's planning thoughts. And they think about those things for years. And they're so burdened. They're so crushed. They're so crushed by this. And it's interesting because they are trying to run into a city of refuge. But it's, it's a different city of refuge. They're hiding, they're hiding sometimes behind work. They're hiding behind sports. People like to talk about sports a lot. They're hiding behind something like that. They're hiding behind church. Oh, I go to church. Yeah, yeah. Church, I'm there. Hiding behind religion. But there's something deeper. There's something going on. There's something going on. It's this burden of guilt. And the devil's saying, ah, just keep hiding. Think about that, that tree that Adam and Eve were hiding behind. This is perfect. This tree will work perfect. If you hide there, everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Everything, your guilt will go away. God won't know where you are. And you can just be happily ever after right there. Perfect plan. No, that's not a good plan. Because that's not what they were created to do. That's not what they were created for. So the devil's saying, you know what? Keep hiding. Keep hiding. I read a really sad statistic um, the past couple of years, uh, suicide has has been really has really hit home. It's been really close to our to our family. And I read a statistic that said eighty percent of notes, suicide notes, are centered around guilt. Isn't that sad? Centered around. I just can't. I can't take it anymore. I can't figure out how to solve this problem. I can't figure out how to get over it. I don't know why they won't forgive me, or I don't know why I can't forgive myself, or this or that. It's centered around guilt. And that is very, very sad. That is a very sad thing. The city of refuge that these people had been trying to run to was not working. The plant that they were hiding behind was not, was not working. The devil has conditioned the world to think that there are other ways around sin. Whether premeditated or accidental, there's some way. If I just do enough work, if I just work hard enough, then that'll just go away. But that's not how it works. That is still 
there and we're all tainted with it. We're all tainted with sin. We all have to deal with it. We've done some really... Show of hands, just kidding. We've all done some really dumb, dumb things. Yeah, we've done some dumb things. We've hurt people. We've been hurt. We're all wrestling with this. We're all struggling with this. And God knows this, so He provides an opportunity. Here in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, He provides a city of refuge for the people. So, the interesting thing about the city of refuge is there is something else there. And we'll look at it. Let's, let's read this here in verse uh, 13 through 14. And the cities that, that you shall give... And the cities that you give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. Uh, verse 15. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. So these cities were cities that are said to be not more than a half day's walk. So not difficult in anywhere in the land. You're not more than a half day's walk. So not difficult to get there. And it, it's interesting as well, in, in uncovering these cities, some archaeological digs, they've found that the stone surrounding these cities were the stone that would reflect the sun. Limestone, I think it is. It would reflect the sun. It would be beaming, it would be bright. And so the manslayer, the one who accidentally kills somebody is running, and they see, oh, there it is, oh, the light, the, the city of refuge. And in Deuteronomy, it talks about how the, the roads were meant to be maintained. Nothing in the way, no, no boulders, no you know, trees hanging over, all that stuff. It's a clear road. It's, it's nice and maintained. So every effort was made in order to ensure that those who sought refuge can find it. It wouldn't be difficult to find refuge. I was just thinking about that person just so burdened with guilt and trying, you know, to, just running. What's the, what's the worst? The worst thing is for that city of refuge to be hard to find. Like a cave of refuge behind a boulder. What a bummer that would be. Like, where is that cave? Uh, it's like Indiana Jones is trying to like, you know, find this secret thing. That would be awful. And you're burdened with all this guilt. You've done some horrible things. No, the city is beaming. It's only a half day's journey. And it's easy to find. It's easy to find. The road is clearly marked. It's open. It's there. Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's pretty... It's pretty easy to find. Weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. This truth is it's incredible because in its immediate context to the audience that Jesus is sharing with, um, it's, it's the burden of religious legalism that the Pharisee, the scribes and the Pharisees were putting on the backs of people. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to keep this. You have to do this and then do that. And then over here... And, then, and people are just crushed by that weight. They're crushed by that. So Jesus steps in and says, No, 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 no. Come to me, all you who are 
weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What? That's incredible. That's monumental. That's revolutionary. What an incredible thing. So the wider application is that Jesus provides rest for our souls. Eternal rest for all who seek forgiveness for their sins. This is an amazing thing that Jesus is saying. So the the crushing legalistic burden and guilt of trying to earn salvation by good works, that's done away with. Jesus says, no, 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 just just come to me. So the the pathway is clear. The, The city is shining bright. Jesus is saying, come on in. There's also a congregation in this city, too, that's interesting. There are people inside the city walls. There are people in there who had struggled with sin in the past. And still were. And they ran to the city. They ran to the city of refuge. The high priest was also in the city. As we'll continue reading here. The high priest was there. Within the city. So the congregation, I just I'm envisioning this picture where this guy is running, this guy or gal is running, like you know, running down the pathway, and there's the Avenger just you know behind them, chasing them down. The congregation being like, get, come on, get in here. Go, 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 get you could do it. The high priest is here. Get come on, you could do this. And he runs in. They shut the door. There's safety. There's safety. The congregation, the high priest, will now hear their case. He'll hear what, what's going on. That congregation, the last thing that that congregation would do is, you know, before, the, before that scene happened, the last thing they would do is go put boulders in the way. Hey, let's go, uh, let's go put some walls in the way that, that the, the, the manslayer has to crawl over, you know, to make it really hard to get into the, the city. Of, that'd be awesome. Let's make like this moat, and the person has to build a boat, and then, you know, come across. You know, let's do it. We'll make it a game. The congregation is not doing that. This congregation was in the same place as the manslayer running for his life. They were in the same place as that person was in the past. So they're saying... Come on, you can do this. Get in here. Get in here. The high priest is here. He's here. He'll hear your case. Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I, I wonder if Jesus had this in mind. Some of the excavations show that these cities were on a hill, the Golden Heights. Ooh, shining bright. Way up there. There's the city of refuge right there. There was, no, there was no hiding it. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. There was safety in the walls. There was safety around the congregation. The worldwide body of Christ is an amazing thing. Think about the worldwide body of Christ right now. Mexico, England... China, Hungary, America, whatever. The worldwide followers of Jesus is an amazing thing. We've all gone through some pretty dirty stuff. 
We've all hidden a lot of things in our lives. And we've hid behind a lot of things in our lives. We understand the burden of guilt. And what have we done? Those who know Jesus this morning, what have you done? You've run to the city of refuge. That was your only way out. You ran. And so we understand. We understand when someone's burdened with guilt, when someone's struggling. We're there. We're there for them. God's people really do stand out. Sometimes we've been, we've been a Christian for a long time and we forget this. I brought... Um, I didn't bring him. He, uh, he came to church, a friend from Yarmouth. And uh, he doesn't know the Lord. He still doesn't know the Lord. But he came to a service like this, and there was the, you know, the bring and share thing. Um, and he said, he said to us afterwards, he came to, to the, a, the Bible study the next week, and he was like, that was truly incredible. That was incredible. And what did he mean by that? Was it the worship was amazing? Or was it the teaching was, you know, out of this world? What was it? It was the love between the people here. That, that just blew his mind. He's from Yarmouth. He's, he's, he does uh, work there for the, the community. He's never seen anything like that. That people would gather together around a common cause that's not drink or sport. That they would gather together unity in one mind and have love for one another that's an amazing thing that is an amazing thing and so that really sticks in his mind him and I still meet uh, he doesn't know the Lord yet but you could, you could pray for him um, we, we still meet up but that still sticks in his mind that, 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 that that's going on Jesus said they'll know you are my disciples if you have love for one another it's really hard to love people there are some people, right? There are some people it's really hard, it's really hard to love. It doesn't matter. This is our calling to love one another. And we're not sitting around singing kumbaya. That's not what's going on here. It's this grace that we recognize and that we walk in. We walk in this, this grace that Jesus had for us and we care about each other. We love each other. We love one another. So, the congregation of God, God's people, stand out. Like a city set on a hill. They stand out. I love what Jude, the book of Jude, I love what he says here in the very end. This is uh, verse 20. Speaking really to us, followers of Jesus. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That's a strong calling. That's our calling as Christians. Snatching them from the fire, from the fires of hell. That's an amazing thing. And then we just read in, in verse 15, uh, And for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. So this city was for each and every person, not just God's ordained people, the Israelites, God's chosen people. 
It was for everybody, the sojourner, the pilgrim, the stranger in the land. It's an opportunity for everyone. But this Old Testament picture, so really this is a picture of the cross, isn't it? If you guys haven't you know, been, been tracking with me. This is a picture of the cross, Jesus' work. But it had its limitations. It had its limitations. And we're going to, let's, let's read these. So verse 16 through 21. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death when he meets him. He shall put him to death. And if he pushed him out of hatred or hurled something at him lying in wait so that he died, or an enmity struck him down with his hand so that he died, then he who struck the blow shall be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. So here's the limitations. You can run to that city. Yes, I'm here. I'm safe. Woo! But the congregation meets, the high priest, they come together. If they judge, if they find that you are truly a murderer, sorry, we have to put you outside to their death. So it had its limitations. The avenger of blood can legally put that person to death. So it's a great um, Narnia. Now, you got any Narnia fans? Ooh, Narnia. Uh, Narnia analogy of this. So the witch says, You have a traitor in your midst, Aslan. Have you forgotten the laws upon which Narnia has been built? Then you'll remember well that every traitor belongs to me. His blood is my property. All of Narnia will be overturned and perish in fire and water. The boy will die on the stone table. As is tradition, you dare not refuse me. This is actually from the movie, not from the book. So I know it's probably a little bit different. So if anyone's like, that's not in there, this is why. Um, But it's basically the same idea. So, completely under the spell of sin. You're guilty. That's how it's been of old. That's how it will always be. You are guilty. The witch says, this is tradition. This is how it is. So the, the city of refuge didn't provide this complete atonement. It didn't comply, com, uh, provide an opportunity for the, the actual premeditated murder for the person. The person would be found guilty and put back out to meet the avenger. But the one who accidentally murdered would go free. So let's read this in verse 22 through 28. But if he pushed him suddenly without enmity or hurled anything on him without lying in wait or used a stone that could cause death and without seeing him dropped it on him. This would just be such a bummer. I could accidentally dropping a stone on somebody. If that was the situation, so that he died, though he was not uh, an enemy and did not seek his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood in accordance with these rules. 
And the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood. And the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he had fled. And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge to which he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the boundaries of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. For he must remain in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession. Okay. We'll stop there. So, <clears throat> again, accident. He can run into the city and everything will be fine. But it's interesting because the, the complete freedom is built upon what? The death of the high priest. The, the entire freedom of this person was built upon the death of the high priest. It wasn't until the high priest died that this manslayer can go home. So they're in the city walls. Maybe the high priest is 40. And you're like, oh man, it, it might be a while. This might be a while. So you're going to live in that, in that city for, for whatever length of time it takes until the high priest passes away. And then you're free to go home. You're free to go home. So if we fast forward a few thousand years, here we are on the other side of the cross. And this is an amazing thing. We, we kind of get numb to it. I remember being a teenager like those teens back there. I remember being that age and just sitting in church every Sunday, just, you know, like the uh, Charlie Brown, like the adults and the, the grown-ups in Charlie Brown. You guys know, you know that, Peanuts? Peanuts? Yeah. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. over and over and over and over and over. This truth is absolutely incredible and life-changing. And it's changing the lives of people every day, right now, all over the world. This side of the cross that we're on, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Since then we have a, high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our home. It's funny that as humans, we can be in our home. We can have a secure job. Things can be going pretty well. But still, there's something missing. Still, there's this uh, sort of longing in our hearts. It's because we're not home yet. It's because we're not home yet. We, our bodies were fashioned. Our bodies were created in such a way that we were to walk with the living God. That's why our bodies were created. We are to walk with God, to know Him, to see Him, to hear Him. So many of us have not entered that city yet. So many of us have not 
run into the gate, the open gates, and seen the congregation and just jumped, ah, and just got in there. So many of us have not done that. And my question to people who I talk to about this, you know, just sharing the gospel, is what's stopping you? I like to figure out kind of what's going on in their minds. What's keeping you from running to Jesus? What's keeping you from understanding that you are guilty, as am I, your sin affects others, as does mine, and there's a way of escape. There's forgiveness. There's salvation. What's stopping you? What's keeping you from running in? And this is the plant that we're hiding behind as humans. Adam and Eve, hiding behind a literal plant. Just take the word out. Plant, and you can put anything there. Reputation, work, whatever. So many are hiding behind something, and God is just saying, I want to walk with you. I want to spend time with you. And the congregation, us who know the Lord, are saying, get in here. Come on, run, you can do it. Go, 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 go. The high priest is here. We're not, we're not you know, taking these big boulders and let's set it right here so he has to jump over it. We're not doing that. We're kicking the boulders out of the way. We're saying, get, come on. We're pointing to the high priest. We're pointing to Christ. Verse 29, the last verse that we'll read says, And these things shall be for a statute and rule for you throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. So these cities of refuge that allowed a pardon for the people, they were to be passed down and explained. The older generation was to help the younger generation know what's going on here. And wherever they went, wherever they went, there would be these opportunities to run into the, the city of refuge. The fact that the only way of escape, the only way for refuge was a city that God set up and a city that He established, that was to be discussed, it was to be acted upon, and it was to be explained by the older generation. What does the city of refuge look like? How do you get there? Why do you go there? What happens when you meet that? The older generation helps the younger understand that. This is true discipleship. This is what my generation desperately needs. Sometimes the older generation says, oh, we're sort of irrelevant, we're we're passing on. That is such a lie. That is such a lie. We, We need those who have been in the city of refuge for a while to help explain some things. This is what I went through. This is what my life was like. The other thing about being created by God is that we were created to be together. It's the crazy thing about hiding. Hiding is so unnatural. But we all want to do it. And we all do do it. But it's not natural. We were created to be together as a congregation in, in the city of refuge. Worshiping the great high priest. The only way of escape. And it's not just for the Israelites. It's for the sojourner as well. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The, the door is open. 
The opportunity is there. The congregation is saying, come on, you can do this. The high priest is there. He's waiting. He's waiting for those who know that they're burdened to run to, run to him. And the other thing that's interesting too is the, the older generation that we have before us. They know so much having resided in that city. They know, how th- again, how things look. They know um, how things should be done. But the younger generation can kind of say, oh, we don't, we don't, we don't need that. So my, I'm talking about my generation now. I, I, under, I understand. I understand. I get that. As the older generation, I just want to encourage you to be praying for the younger generation. <laughs> be praying. Because the, the, the Avenger is doing a work. He's doing a work to blind them, obviously. He's doing a work to use these counterfeit cities of refuge in their lives. You guys remember being a teenager? Some of you are teenagers. There are things that were put in my life where I'm like, that is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That is beautiful. That is freedom. That is, yes, I have it. And once I got it, I realized, oh, that is not it. I am missing something. So I just encourage the older generation, be praying. Be thinking about it. For parents in here. Parents, make this the main priority in your home. The way of escape, the cross, the gospel. Dads and moms, how can we incorporate this into, into everything, into, into the mealtime? Into Halloween that's coming up. What are we going to do with that? Do I celebrate it? Do I not? Do I do this? Do I do that? Uh, just pray about it. Let the Lord lead you. Use the child's life. They only have only a few, few more years. You have your kids in your house and they move on. Use these years in a great way to help them realize the city of refuge. Jesus. Think about friends. Make it the, the central part of your, your, your relationship with your friend. Maybe your friend's not a believer. Well, just, just, be praying, just be praying for them. The world is offering thousands of counterfeit cities of refuge. But Jesus is the only city of refuge. There's only one. He's the only way. So for those who don't know the Lord, in here this morning, this is a great encouragement. This is a great encouragement. Because this is the way. And I could, I could say that. That this is the way. This is the way of escape. This is the way of freedom, of life. New life is in the city of refuge. This is the way. And for those who do know the Lord, this is such an encouraging reminder for the congregation to continue on loving one another, continue on having mercy, even when it's so hard. Remember that people are watching. Remember that it, it matters. And remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's a great picture of the cross. And the full fulfillment in the cross is it doesn't matter what you've done. 
doesn't matter what you've done. The city of refuge can only atone for so much, but the cross has a complete atonement. We run to the cross. We run to the cross, humble, brokenhearted before the cross. And we're forgiven. And the Lord helps us. He helps us understand, okay, how am I going to go back and forgive that person? Or uh, how am I going to um, receive forgiveness from that person? Or whatever it is. But first we run to the cross. The manslayer just runs in there. Just get in there. And then the high priest will hear my case. And then we can work on things. So there's some of you in here who don't know the Lord, who, haven't, who have not given your lives to Jesus. You're kind of like, uh... And this, this might hit home. This might hit home. So, this morning we're going to have communion. Um, and Neil will come back up. Neil, actually, if you want to come up, now would be great. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a time of communion. And communion is for the congregation. So the congregation is gathered together inside the city of refuge and they're remembering and they're thinking about what the, what the high priest has done. And so as Neil is, is leading us in a song, just like every Sunday, you guys are welcome to come up and, and grab the, the bread in the, in the cup. But for anyone who doesn't know the Lord... If you're here this morning and you, don't, and you don't know Jesus, and you're like, okay, this is, this is it. This is it. I heard the gospel. I want to I receive it. I want to walk. I, wanna, I want a new life. Then I want you to, to come up. I'm just going to be sitting over here, hanging out. I want you to come up, and I want to pray with you. Because today is the day. Today is a perfect day for new life. Look how beautiful it is outside. It is a perfect day for new life. Today is a day where Jesus has given His life for you. 2,000 years ago, He died for you. Thinking about, thinking about us. Thinking about the congregation. And today is a day where you can ask the Lord into your life. And have communion for the first time. So I'm going to sit over here. Come on up. I want to pray with you. Give your life to Jesus this morning. Give your life to Jesus. So let me pray, and Neil will, will lead us, and then um, I'll come back up, and, and we'll take the bread and the cup together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you care. Thank you, Lord, that you see us. You know what each person here is going through. God, you know who doesn't know you. I ask, Lord, that this morning, you would do a great work. Lord, just drawing people to yourself. Please do that this morning. Lord, for us who do know you, strengthen our walk with you. Thank you, God, that we can go from this place knowing that the burden of guilt has been laid before the cross. Thank you, God, that we have joy. There's joy. Lord, your mercies are new every morning. So God, we pray that you would just work in our hearts now as we sing to you, as we pray. Lord, may you just receive our praises. May you be glorified in everything that takes place this morning. Amen.